Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions students want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirujit Sharmal, and each episode I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, we will be asking our top questions that have been submitted by students on our Career View website who are aspiring to become pilots. Now, to answer these very interesting questions, I'm joined by 25-year-old recently graduated commercial pilot, Andrew Coral, who works for the Geraldton Air Charter, where he flies holidaymakers, workers, and runs aerial tours in some of the most challenging flying conditions in the country. And he has a lot to share today. So, let's begin. As well. Yeah, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, okay. Andrew. Welcome to the show, you know, really happy to have you here today. Um, how's everything going? I'm honestly really happy to be here, uh, just enjoying my time uh, back in Perth, got a few days down here and it's been been busy the past uh, month or two, so yeah, just, just relaxing and um, yeah, just remembering what the taste of a beer feels All, like. Always good to take some time off and, and to yeah. relax a little bit and I know you've been, in, you know, you've been doing your rotations, you've been two months there and, and a week here. Uh, only about four days here, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Just okay. yeah, not long. Um, but you know, I do get I do get the odd day off. Um, legally, we have to have six days off in every twenty-eight. So uh, it's not like I'm um, you know getting whipped and told to work harder and uh, no rest. Yeah, so. you need that rest. Everyone needs that downtime at some point. But yeah. um, you know, before we jump into our questions um, asked by students, uh, I wanted to ask a question of my own, and yep. I really simple. I, I want to ask. Why become a commercial pilot? You know, why did you decide to embark on this journey and be where you are today? Uh, I always wanted to work in aviation. It was as simple as that. So originally I went down the engineering route thinking, okay, you know, I, I wouldn't mind working on planes rather than uh, working in them. Um, and then I did engineering and there was a lot of, um, there were parts that actually interested me in engineering, but then uh, sort of getting to the workplace, um, there were certainly parts that didn't really interest me nearly as much. Um, engineering itself is fantastic, but it's the job itself is a bit different. It's a lot uh, more admin managerial than actually number crunching, which is what I really, really enjoyed, the hands-on part. Um, and then I just kind of reassessed my options. Uh, it was really like an epiphany moment. So I always had a really big interest in planes from a young age. Um, I was that kid who, you know, uh, the parents would take down to the airport. They'd have wine and cheese and crackers and all of that. And I'd sit in the back of the plane. I'd be like, oh, plane. And like, I was two, three years old, whatever. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so it just got to the stage. I had a really, a bit of a rough swing with work. It was just really tough, long hours. And um, yeah, a few things didn't probably go the way we intended and just sat back in the seat. I was absolutely exhausted, um, flying back to Perth and they had the cockpit door open and like you could see the cockpit was all lit up. There was just lights and stuff everywhere and the two pilots were just kind of going through it all and this was probably 6.30 at night, sun was setting, it was beautiful, picturesque, just starting the engines up, then they closed the door and that, that was like the moment. I was just like, nah, that's it, I'm done. Those pilots got the coolest job. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting, I'm, yeah, that when, was the moment. That was the moment, yeah, yep. so it changed everything. And, and what age was that for you? Like when 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 was that realization for you? Oh, that was three years ago. Yeah, I was twenty two. Twenty two. Yep. 
Yeah. So it has been a journey. It wasn't something that was, I mean, you always had that interest in planes as a kid and you, you mm. had that fascination, but it took quite a bit of time before it really just, okay, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. I kind of looked at it with engineering, but I found it really difficult. And especially in Australia, the um, aviation engineering industry in Australia is almost non-existent. I did email a lot of them. And they said, we don't take interns, we don't take interns, we don't take... And I was like, sort of scratching my head and I was just like, oh, okay, this is going to be really, really hard. I don't really want to go to America. And I just kind of got myself stuck into a rut and I was yeah. just like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this. And then I actually found a job that I actually didn't mind. It wasn't even in aviation. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll mm. do this. Maybe I'll get a private pilot's licence on the side or something like that. And I thought, yeah, this 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 could be me for life. But, yeah, it didn't take long. It took me oh, probably a year and a half in, in the industry in to the go, no, no, nah, nah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm being a pilot now. Yeah. Too much. Interesting. Um, jumping into our questions, Andrew, asked yep. by students. The first question that uh, we wanted to ask you is, you know, firstly, where did you go to flight school? And what are all the different options that are there and available and that you considered in your road to become a commercial pilot? Yeah, there are quite a lot of options. Um, definitely more than I realised that I had when I was coming out of school. So what I did was I went to the Royal Aero Club and I did it part-time. Uh, so I just essentially booked it at my own pace. Um, I self-studied all of my exams just at home and I essentially had two flight instructors and I would call them up maybe a week in advance. I'd be like, uh, can we go flying on this date, this time? And essentially they would just book it in. So I still went through pretty much the same syllabus as the full-time students, but I just booked my flights, exams, that sort of stuff along the way and um, didn't do it in a classroom. I did it at home. So that was what I did. Um, took me about two years in the end, working about 20 to 25 hours a week on it. Um, that's between flying and studying. Um, yeah, oh, I think probably more on the 25, 25 hour uh, side of things in hindsight. But anyway, um, one of the other options is even at the same flight school, you can do it full time through the West Australian Aviation College. Um, I, don't, I don't want to plug RACWA too much, but um, it's just where I it's just where I did it. Uh, you can do it through the TAFE now. So with the TAFE and also the West Australian Aviation College, both hexable. So Big, big, big draw card there. One thing you need to keep in mind, though, is uh, you will incur a 20% loan fee on that hex. So if you do have the money, obviously it's good, and the money you're going to need is, uh, yeah, minimum 80, probably $90,000. If you want to hex that, put 20% on top of that, um, which is, yeah, it's quite a bit of money, but... That's it's a lot of money, yep. to say the least. That is a lot of money to, and a lot of investment. So being very clear that this is what you want to do, that needs to be reviewed. Oh, yeah, you, you'll figure it out pretty quickly, I reckon. Um, definitely go for a trial introductory flight before you actually commit to, um, you know, going through flight school because you really want to make sure that you enjoy it. Um, but I'm sure if you're one of those av geeks, a bit like what I described, um, you know, you'll make it there. But, yeah, there's, there's still – I guess I've only kind of halfway through the options there. You've still got – um, doing it through university. So I think ACU might be the only one locally, but over east, you've definitely got Swinburne, um, UNSW, and they're like um, Qantas partnered uh, universities. So when you come out, I believe you actually get Qantas Link sort of mentors along the way. 
Uh, and then you've got the cadetships as well. So these are the actual airline partnered programs. So Regional Express, Cobham, uh, Virgins might be up and going again. Uh, pretty much all the cadetships really closed down through COVID, but I believe they're all coming back. Qantas do one as well. So they do vary slightly. So um, the Regional Express one is I believe it's 20% up front and then the rest is taken out as a loan with the airline. So uh, once you complete their cadetship training, you actually fly with Regional Express. Uh, The loan period is seven years. So if you leave Regional Express early, uh, you actually have to pay off the um, rest of that loan that's uh, that's outstanding. If you finish your seven-year tenure with Regional Express, they'll just waive whatever's remaining on that loan. Um, and you'll actually get to do about three or four years as a first officer in their sub 340s and then the back half of that as a captain. So you come out with some really, really good experience, very, very employable to um, move on to a um, bigger airline if, if that's what you want to do. So there are a lot of options. Why did you not consider some of the other options with universities and some of these um, big airlines uh, in terms of partnering with the universities? Why was that not a consideration for yourself? Yeah, I mean, there, there really was a lot of things to weigh up. So the reason I went part-time was um, partly just a matter of circumstance. So um, I did actually have quite a bucket of money from engineering um, and I did know that I wanted to quit my job. So the last few months of that, I was working FIFO, so I was on um, a, a, enough money I'll say and I was able to save that because I knew exactly where I wanted to put it so um, that meant I didn't actually have to take out a hex loan uh, I also did just miss the cutoff so to get into any of these programs you have got um, some entrance style exams the cadetships are very very competitive um, especially when they've got a airline branded next to them so, um, yeah, you've, getting through those entrance exams, um, you know, it's a prerequisite to get into the actual cadetship or even the TAFE or even the West Australian Aviation College. Those last two, much less competitive because um, they don't have any airline attached to them. Um, part-time just made the most sense for me, though, because it allowed me to uh, work on the side. Um, I had the money to do it. Um, yeah, and... It, as a matter of circumstance, you know, I, I was going to have to wait uh, probably another, I think, six months or so for the next intakes and I wasn't going to wait. I just yeah. wanted to get straight into it. Get straight into it. Understandable. Um, interesting. Really interesting to get those perspective and options available that are there for students who are looking to pursue that uh, journey. Um, next question, Andrew, we have is, uh, interestingly, it says, how long did it take uh, to get where you are today as a pilot? Now, apart from your course, which was part-time in two years really what was the whole overall journey because I know you I mean you said you've saved up some money you're working in engineering the whole process from look I want to become a pilot to where you are today flying as a commercial pilot how long has that journey been yeah so from my first flight my trial introductory flight to getting my commercial pilots was a tick over two years it was like two years and a month or two years two months Um, I did come out with a bare bones commercial pilot's license. So um, this may not make sense to too much of you, but you can get a commercial pilot's license. And then on top of that, you can get a multi-engine rating uh, with an instrument rating, which you will eventually need to fly bigger multi-engine aircraft. And you'll also need to do uh, what are called ATPL exams, which is a further seven exams on top of your commercial pilot's exams, which are seven base exams. So it took me two years to do literally just 
the bare basic commercial pilot's licence. Um, if you do it full-time, yep, 12 months. If you, you know, don't get too many flights cancelled due to weather, it, you know, it happens yeah, through winter. You get the storms roll through, you're going to get flights cancelled. Uh, it's going to push you back. Um, yeah, try not to fail exams, of course, because then you need to restudy them and then uh, go back. Unfortunately, I did um, meet a student who failed an exam two times in a row and I think it was his last exam in his CPL and I think he had to wait, um, I think it was, might have been three, I'm not sure in the exact um, time frame, it was either two or three months to resit it a third time. They've, they've got like a, 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 um, a legal period. So, um, yeah, there are things that can definitely slow you down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that answers that. Definitely does. Next question that we have is what other job options did you consider? You've touched upon, you've been in the engineering world, you've explained about your fascination in aviation. Is there anything else that you considered completely out of those two domains as jobs and options and industries that you wanted to work in growing up as a student? Yeah, so um, I did sort of look at becoming an air traffic controller. Uh, that that is a that's a difficult one. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. Uh, the entrance exam for that one was uh, 2,200 and something people applied, and 49 of us actually passed that. Uh, I was one of the lucky 49, um, uh, so I went to the uh, testing day, and um, yeah, I was 21 at the time. The second youngest person there was 30, so. I sort of went in there and I was like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good. And no, I, yeah, I just yeah, I thought I was pretty good and all of that because of, uh, you know, the people sort of around me. I was like, wow, look at me. I must be the, must be the young gun here. Uh, yeah, I wish I could slap myself. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I flunked the testing day real hard. I uh, oh. did not sleep the night before. I mm. uh, just let the pressure of the situation get to me. And um, some of those older people, you know, a little bit more experience, a little bit more life experience, they, uh, they it does pulled help. through a lot better than me. Mm. No, interesting. Um, next question that we have, I think, Andrew, you find this very interesting. One, one, one question we asked by a lot of students is a source of income, you know, mm. during your time of studying. What were you doing specifically? And is there anything that you can share in terms of um, what is the feasibility of that with the workload that you had at the time? Yeah, so uh, because I was working part-time, that did allow me to work part-time. So uh, I was working as a quiz host. Um, I used a bit of my engineering background. I was doing a bit of coding uh, on the side for companies as a consultant. Uh, and I worked occasionally just at Florist. So uh, I, it was pretty flexible. The work hours were, um, well, especially with coding, I just did it in my own time. So it did free up some of my days to study and fly. Um, quiz hosting uh, was done in the evenings. Um, so it was actually, it actually worked out really, really quite well. But it was one of the things um, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it full time in my position um, because I, I had enough money to get through flight school. I didn't have enough money to take a year off work and get through flight school, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And did you ha- do you have any perspective on those who were studying full time? And did you have any understanding from your peers and colleagues what that was like and could they find a source of income studying full time? Was that still manageable or nearly impossible? No, I don't think it's possible to um, study and uh, work even part time on the side. It's just too intense. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you really want to... Because at the end... <laughs> This is probably the best way to describe it is you really want to make the most of flight school. Your instructors are going to be giving references for you or if you decide to become a flight instructor, which is a very, very common um, post-CPL 
um, what do I call our building root, you know, you need to be the best version of yourself at flight school. And if you're working on the side, um, it will affect your ability to fly. You know, if, if you're getting a bit run down, uh, it's going to affect your learning. And I know there are there are a lot of people out there who think, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. I can work really hard. I'm, I'm telling you, it's uh, it will affect you. Yeah, interesting. Another popular question among many students um, that had popped up in our survey was that, a lot of them asking, did you have a backup option? And, you know, was this one backup option? Did you have multiple different options? And really, what was that for you? Having an engineering degree uh, really helps, and not just for working in engineering itself. So uh, an engineering degree, it shows that you've got a good mathematical background. It shows that you've got a good problem-solving um, sort of knowledge. Uh, and just, um, gosh, what are, the, what are they called? Critical thinking. So if I wanted to get a job at, say, Perth Airport, because they do internships or cadetships there, and you're potentially looking at the logistics of the airport, you know, expansions of the runways, uh, different ways to manage the gates, still working with aircraft, having an engineering background would actually really, really help. Um, Although it's certainly not a requirement, you know, you could have an accounting um, degree and they would look at that and they go, okay, perfect, this person's good at, you know, number crunching and all of that. They probably fit into this role. Mm. So, um, yeah, that that sort of stuff, maybe logistics, um, flight plan management with an airline. Um, Yeah, there is no degree for, um, you know, airline flight, flight management but uh, they will look at an engineering degree and just go, okay, some of those skills are probably quite transferable to this and uh, I might be able to get a job there. And that, that was essentially a backup plan, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Having that flexibility for you that with the engineering degree gave you, you know, multiple options, I guess, within yeah. that whole world. Um, and the next question that we have is currently right now at the Geraldton Air Charter where you work. How do you cope with the work hours? And and this is an interesting one in the sense that students wanted to know not just the f- demanding physical aspects of the job, but mentally as well. How are you coping with that? What is your kind of work-life balance? How do you manage your time? How, does it get stressful? How? What is some of the coping mechanisms that you have set in place <laughs> that allows you to kind of function normally? Yeah, so because I am a charter pilot, our work hours do fluctuate a little bit. Um, so sometimes I will start at 6am, uh, some days I may start much later and then I'll finish at 6.30 in the evening. Uh, we are capped at 100 duty hours a fortnight so and that is a legal requirement. So I mean you're never, you're not pulling any of these 12 hours a day, 7 days straight, it's illegal, you can't do that in aviation. So um, that is good, the fatigue management protocols are pretty good but uh, you know I do work um, a lot of weekends um, every six days I'm, I'm legally obligated to have a day off. Um, so the work-life balance is, um, yeah, your week, my weekends are pretty much non-existent at the moment, but I'll get a Wednesday off and then a, a Friday off or something. What, so what so the protocols there, I think that's really important point you touched that, that there is right within within your job, there, there's these strict protocols you need to take rest, you can't go too much, it's it's purely on the basis of your performance, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, safety, not, safety is is it critical there? So having that already in place does allow you to balance things a bit better. But uh, where where does it for you to get stressful? I mean, flying on the weekends or in certain circumstances or situations, mm-hmm. and how do you kind of go about? 
dealing with those situations? Um, I think the the stress really comes when you've got uh, a busy schedule mixed with probably bad weather is probably the big one. So um, flying in bad weather, it just requires a lot more brain power. You've, you're, you're thinking a lot further ahead. You're looking at the weather and you're like, okay, I might start adjusting my course this way, that way. Anyway, uh, so and then you're doing that all day and then if you've got to do that the following day, it's even on the ground, you're just having conversations with the other pilots. Okay, so flying out to East Wallaby Island, I had a uh, weather system over here, it was moving this direction. Um, just all of that does take a bit of a toll but... Uh, it's a lot easier when you actually really enjoy something. Um, it, it makes it slightly less stressful. But yeah, I, I just kind of get home, just make sure I get my eight hours sleep. I really need my eight hours sleep to function. And you get those often. eight hours? Oh, most nights. You know, some nights might be seven. Um, oh. Occasionally, then I'll make it up with an eight and a half or something like that. It, it averages out. That's good. No, that's good. That's good to hear. That work, the balance is so important and for yourself to sustain that. Uh, next question that we have is one on family. And something that was popped up a lot on our survey was right now uh, working, do you, do you have the time to see your family and spend time with them? Because it's obviously an important thing for all of us. Yeah, so um, I chose basically not to stay in Perth. Um, you really, so there's two big options you've got as a pilot. One of them is to get a flight instructor rating and become a flight instructor. So that will allow you to stay in a major city like Perth if you've got maybe girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, um, or strong family ties, great option. Um, You know, you probably won't quite get the same flight hours that you'd get being a charter pilot, but, um, you know, if it allows you to stay in a big city, then sure, that's a great option, you know, allows you to stay close to family. Otherwise, um, you can do what I did, head up the coast. Uh, I've gotten lucky with Geraldton it's probably the closest place to Perth that you can realistically get a um, a sort of charter job I guess Durian but um, that's that's not a that that's not a first pilot sort of job um, a lot of people head up to Broome, Kununurra, um, yeah Shark Bay even, um, Darwin so uh, with us I've just come out of a really busy period um, it's our busiest two months of the year so I managed to get a few days off over winter, we do slow down a bit. So if I just want to just take a bunch of days off, I'm on a casual contract, so I can literally just tell my boss I'll take a few days off and, um, you know, um, keep providing I give him enough notice, he'll just basically sign it off. Um, but, yeah, we he won't approve it in now, busiest times, essentially. So, um, you know, I, I sort of work almost as much as I want to because I'm a casual, casual pilot and, um, yeah, I just not really able to book off um, time during kind of like March, April, really. Um, other than that, um, I, I can get back and see family, um, you know, like I am right now. I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear that um, because for many of us, the family aspect locally is, is important. It's part of any career. And I think that is one on an emotional level and just an enjoyment level to some, to some extent to have family and friends close by where you work. It, it always helps. Yeah, and it's it, it, yeah, certainly balancing that um, career versus family. You know, if you take more time off, maybe you're going to slow down your career, but you get to see your family more. Just take it at whatever pace you need to, really. I love it. Last question, Andrew. Um, students right now want to know, what can they do right now to prepare for flight school and for becoming a commercial pilot and, and for the application process, the interview process? You know, what, what is your recommendation? What's some of the tips that you can share with them in terms of preparing right now? Yeah, so most likely uh, high school students probably not going to do the part-time route that they had because 
they, they haven't been working for years and they haven't got money. So they're probably looking at that TAFE, full-time uni cadetship options, uh, your HEXPL options, and these are the ones that you'll need to pass, say, an entrance exam, an interview. Even the West Australian Aviation College at Raqqa has got limited places and more applicants than places that they have. So you will need to sit, you know, some basic maths, um, English literacy, that sort of um, sort of psychometric testing and an interview as well at the bare minimum. If you go down the cadetship path, they will sort of test you in a group panel exercise uh, like setting and um, yeah, that, that sort of, the, the cadetships will sort of test you in many ways. So you definitely want to prepare. The easiest thing you can prepare for is an interview is an interview. They're going to ask you the same questions regardless of whether you're applying for an engineering job or a pilot's job. How were you able to deal with uh, a, um, a difficult colleague at work? Uh, tell us about a time where you overcame a, um, a difficult situation and what sort of strategies you implemented. They're going to ask those generic questions regardless of where you go. So just make sure you've got some scenarios like that. Practice them with your, with your family and the likes. With the other stuff, so this is more cadetship again, if you say, oh, I'm an aviation geek, I was the type who uh, sat in the back of a plane under a flight path when they were two to three years old with their parents drinking wine and cheese, uh, a bit like I was, they'll be like, great, prove it to us. Uh, and then they will start asking you questions about aircraft systems. So when I was looking at the Aer Lingus cadetship, um, yeah, actually, this is, I, I was almost in the cadetship uh, route. Um, I actually got uh, pretty much the whole way through the Aer Lingus cadetship and uh, missed out at the psychological assessment stage, uh, but that's a story for another day. And they asked us the standard interview, and then the second half of the interview was actually about aircraft systems. So um, how do engines work? How does an aircraft navigate? Do you know anything about the aircraft navigation system? They even asked small things like... Um, how do we uh, know how fast we're traveling? And they're just basically looking for someone who has got an active interest in aircraft because they'll be able to answer some of these questions at the at the at the very least. Um, or oh, how how do wings work was another one. Um, so explain Bernoulli's principle. But yeah, so they're, they're sort of the the things that you can do. Definitely start reading up on on aircraft because yeah, the cadetships will sort of tap into that, and in particular, they will ask about company specific things. So, what aircraft does our company fly? Um, I've I've heard a rumor that someone got asked at a regional express cadetship what uh, manufacturer and type of engines were on the Saab three forties. Wow, know, very specific, very specific, very detailed. Yeah, they run Garrett's by the way. Anyway, um, so in regards to being a pilot, though, what um, what I would definitely touch on is um, you know judgment, being calm, level headed. But okay, no, that's. Um Really important to know that it's so detailed. They really want to understand how passionate you are. And it's it just goes beyond just saying, look, I want to be a pilot and I think I would enjoy it. It's, okay, what do you really know about everything that is part of our world? I think that's what you, really the main thing that you're emphasising here. Oh, God, yeah. You know, these cadetships are going to have five, 6,000 people applying for them. How many positions they've got? Maybe like 20 or something like that. Oh. So how do you cut down five or 6,000 people? You're going to get, you know, hundreds of suitable applicants, but they want to know which applicants have already done the background on aircraft systems. They know uh, what the fleet is at, at 
said airline. That's the that's the differentiating point. Um, obviously, you won't get these sort of uh, questions going for the uni, the TAFE, or the West Australian Aviation College. But it is food for thought. Love it, Andrew. That wraps up all our questions. And I just want to say big thank you again. You really shared some very interesting insights from your experience and you have a slightly different journey from leaving school and first doing engineering and then coming back to uh, pursuing becoming a commercial pilot. You know, just for our listeners out there uh, who have more questions for Andrew and actually did not feature on this list today and would like to connect with him, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. And this is where you'll find uh, Andrew's profile. You can read about his bio. You can email him with more questions that you may have. And I'm sure he will be more than happy to answer in more detail. Uh, and with every episode, please don't forget to submit your questions for the next interview that we have, um, especially to you know these young professionals who have been there and done that and can share their experiences. Uh, Andrew, I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure. And just want to say any final words that you can share with our aspiring commercial pilots in the making? Yeah, oh, final words. Um, oh gosh, yeah. If, if you're looking to be a commercial pilot, um, yeah, as I've said, if, if you're that type who really, really enjoyed planes as a young age, definitely give it a go. But when you do it, um, yeah, give it a real good go because when you're going through flight school, um, as I've said, your references for your first flight job, uh, if, if you're going to become an instructor, it's probably going to be at the flight school you just did it at. So they're going to be watching you. Okay, is this a really conscientious person? And the skills that really make a, a good pilot, uh, so the difference between just a, a pilot and someone who is a really good or a great pilot is um, if you've got that really good judgment um, about um, making the safe decision. Um, there's just too many cases out there of people who have um, tried to go above and beyond their skill level, got themselves into a really bad weather situation that say they couldn't get out of. Um, so yeah, just, just being safe, making the correct call. And even when things go wrong, just having that calm and level-headed nature. So, so many people, uh, if, if they rush sort of these um, emergency procedures that's when they can really really get into trouble so definitely just being calm and level-headed um, in a situation because you are going to be tested in flight school um, and in your uh, what do I call it uh, the uh, flight check rides gosh don't know how that escaped my mind um, they're just going to randomly pull the power on you at some stage and then just be like you've just had an engine failure and um, so many people just the, they just panic and they oh they just lose their mind um, yeah just if you're really calm and level-headed uh, and just methodical uh, you will have a very very successful flight career really really interesting insights there and and advice and for for our listeners out there the difference between a good and a great commercial pilot this calmness this attention to detail methodical it's um, it's really important and already you've observed in your very short career as a commercial pilot it's it's very inspiring to hear thank you thank you so much uh appreciate your time no very much appreciate it thank you for having me on the podcast <laughs>